Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. On the program today, we're going to talk about Amalgamated Bank. I was amazed to learn that they have been providing socially responsible banking and investment to the public for almost 100 years. The bank was actually founded by the Amalgamated Clothing and Textile Workers Union, who traditionally were excluded from the regular banking system. And as of 2021, Amalgamated has $57 billion in custody and investment assets under management. I'm talking today with Cynthia Dalagelis, Senior Vice President and Director of ESG Investments at Amalgamated Bank where she is working to address the world's most urgent challenges and bring about systemic long-term change. Hello, Cynthia, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have this conversation today about your work at Amalgamated. And, you know, let's start off with some information about your portfolio selection methodology. Amalgamated's family of responsive funds includes actively managed and indexed portfolios that use ESG exclusion and inclusion criteria that is combined with Sustainalytics data and proprietary Invesco ESG screens. So that's a mouthful, and I'm going to ask you to please walk us through your portfolio selection methodology. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, and and fantastic info. It, it makes me really happy that People are interested in our story and, and how we've gotten here and how we've sustained over time because it's really important to the work that we continue to do today. So to speak a little bit to the history of the bank, it gives you some indication of, of why we decided to look at um, products that are shaped in this way. We have a really rich history, as you noted, of um, creating a inclusive environment. Uh, we're a very progressive organization that's conscious of social justice issues, environmental issues. Um, and we have a long history of banking and lending that has a very sustainable aspect to it. Um, when we looked at creating an investment management initiative within the bank, we wanted to make sure that those values that have gotten us here over the last hundred years continue to persist and we're an extension within that investment management world. So with that, I know everyone has their kind of special sauce of how they get to uh, product creation, but I know for us, it was a very holistic approach. Um, we essentially looked at you know, if we were to create products to help clients invest and persist over time through through their investments, it would have to match up with the work that they're already doing. Mm -hmm. um, most of our clients, as, as you probably would indicate from that amazing introduction, are union-based clients, nonprofits, foundations, and endowments. Uh, and the work that they do is very core to their mission. So when looking at product creation, it had to be something that helped them create a continuation of that, mis that mission uh, through investment products. Um, all of that to say is we started with the core foundation of our values as an institution. Um, so if you look at all of the work that we've done, again, on the shareholder side, um, on our uh, lending portfolio and the banking portfolio, you can get a sense of what that foundation might look like. Um, for us, it's important not to work with organizations that go against those values. So 
as a baseline, uh, we looked at creating a portfolio and all of our investment management products, uh, for the most part, that were fossil fuel free. Um, we exclude weapons manufacturers, um, private prisons. Um, from a moral perspective, any of those organizations that go against who we are, so tobacco companies, things of that nature, um, the ones that you would expect. And then we looked at an inclusionary uh, process on top of that. So what are the themes that we really care about? Uh, what are the things that continue um, to be important to us over the last 100 years and what we think the next 100 years will look like as well? Um, and from there, we looked at creating uh, a gender inclusion strategy, a uh, climate transition strategy, social justice uh, initiatives. Um, to give you a little bit of a sense of what that process looks like is uh, in some cases, depending on the product, it's a bottom up versus top to bottom uh, strategy, depending on what that kind of category is. Um, but we utilize uh, as a baseline, our moral compass of what we think is the obvious uh, things to exclude. Um, we then utilize uh, a lot of the top data providers that are available today. So the MSCIs of the world, uh, Sustainalytics, uh, and then we partnered with Invesco, who's um, one of the largest independent um, uh, wealth managers in the world, um, who helped us to create a proprietary screen. Uh, including all of those factors that we noted. Um, so that, that's kind of that three-step process that gets us to the exclusionary, exclusionary part. And then when we have this kind of pretty holistic uh, product in the middle, we look at, okay, now how can we really put some juice behind this and get this to focus on the thematics that we care about? So that secondary process, we then layer in proprietary data from our own organization. And then we utilize tilt or special thematic data providers that help us create a, a specific tilt fund or, or area of focus. Um, and in that case, we, we utilize equity uh, for gender balance um, information, we utilize Just Capital, which is a U.S.-based organization focusing on social and racial justice. Uh, we focus on CDP for climate transition information, uh, and we also partner uh, in some capacities with As You So as kind of a last uh, final process. So. It goes through a lot. Uh, there's a lot of big, well-known products out there that kind of have like a one-stop shop filtering process. Uh, we're not that. I will say that. <laughs> we have a really long, arduous process to kind of create uh, these products and kind of create anything that we we do going forward. And for us, it's really important to match the values that we have and to make sure that you know, when we're partnering with foundations and organizations and nonprofits to make sure that we're living up to the expectation that they should that they should have for us. Um, so it's a long process, but it, it's one that we're really proud of and that and that I thoroughly enjoy uh, doing as well. So very long answer to your question. <laughs> That's OK. It's a good start in today's conversation. Now, of course, asset flows into sustainable funds uh, totaled in 2020, $51 billion. It was a twofold increase over the previous calendar year record set in 2019. So give our listeners a couple of reasons from your perspective and amalgamators why they should be allocating assets to sustainable and ESG investment strategies this year in 2022. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's interesting. You know, I can recall even 
five years ago, it was very much a um, consumer-led initiative where we had individuals that were really passionate about certain thematics coming to banks saying, hey, I'm really passionate about climate. Uh, what products do you have or what opportunities do you have that can allow my family or my family office to invest in, in these type of things? And honestly, not that long ago, there really wasn't a lot of options for them, whether they were like direct um investments more so than kind of like broader funds. What's happened now in the past few years is we've seen uh, a lot of um, activism at a, at a street level and at a community level where people are standing up saying, hey, these are issues that we care about. Uh, we care about social justice. We care about um, racial justice. We care about companies that prioritize these topics. And I, as an individual, want to feel represented in the type of businesses that are leading our economy. And I think that's become a huge influx of capital. And I think that's why we see a lot of these top tier organizations making these really broad commitments uh, to ESG categorically in different areas of focus, which is a very exciting thing. Um, so I give kudos to the general public, uh, the American public, for really putting a spotlight on these uh, uh, thematics. I don't think banks led the way, although we're a very progressive organization and we've been in uh, social impact investing for close to 50 years, uh, uh, more or less, a lot of incredible innovators of uh, innovators of finance uh, within our space. I do think that the past few years, it's been the general public saying, you know what, I don't agree with this. And I think I'm going to invest in something else until you guys get your act together. So I think that's been a, a huge change. Um, with that saying, it's important to, to know that I really see, and I think amalgamated degrees that we don't see ESG as an alternative asset class. And I think that's important for us to realize is that ESG factors are not going away. Uh, and the way to really view this and kind of price this in is that there are additional uh, metrics of success or failure in my mind. Um, so I weight those factors the same that I would the financial success of an organization, um, not to mention all the data and, and studies that show how intertwined the success of an organization, especially on the governance component, directly affects their financial outcome. So a really well-run organization is typically going to be financially successful. Um, and we've seen that through the pandemic as well. Companies that are well-prepared, that uh, invest a lot in human capital management, that care a lot about their employees, that create contingency plans, really weathered the storm of, of COVID much better than organizations that kind of had human capital as a lower priority. So um, with that, I think you know, I won't point to specific sectors. I think that that's for everyone to invest in the things that they're most passionate about and that they feel the most optimistic about. Um, but I think it's important to start realizing that these factors are going to be continually uh, changing and intertwine into investment decisions. So it's no longer a, it's really a financially incredible company, but they're horrible on the ESG side. I think that the two are going to be so intertwined and interconnected that they will uh, affect one another. Um, additionally, I'll add on the regulatory side, we do know that change is coming. Um, we do know that disclosure factors um, are going to be no longer discretionary, but mandatory. Um, and I think that those are things that the market were, is going to price it in the next year and a half to two years. So there's a wave coming. It's just figuring out, you know, how we're going to, to ride that wave. Yes, and I've had some podcast conversations with other folks recently that confirm everything that you're saying. Uh, and 
Let's zero in more clearly here for a moment on social responsibility, which has really been at the core of Amalgamated's banking and investment business model since its founding almost 100 years ago. When's the rest of the financial services industry finally going to catch up with you guys, Cynthia, after your century of leadership? Yeah, I think it's happening. We've seen from like, you know, the big five, the large organizations out there, huge commitments towards uh, allocating capital towards ESG. Uh, even on the private side, I've seen a lot of incredible funds being uh, raised in private equity towards um, uh, carbon neutrality and all kinds of interesting projects. Uh, I think that we've led the space in some capacity just because of the nature of how we were founded. Um, I think those principles were so core to who we were before we realized, you know, ESG was a thing. Um, to me, ESG is not a new concept. To me, it's just returning to good business practices and good human practices. I think we should always be prioritizing people in the workplace. We should always be prioritizing uh, our effect on the environment. Uh, I think to me, it's just kind of reorienting ourselves to kind of work more collaboratively with organic environments rather than this just hyper-industrialized environment where work and output is number one and it doesn't matter what the sacrifices are. So I think it's happening. I think there's a small bit that's lip service, you know, and, and the whole greenwashing thing. I think it's less than people think. Uh, I know there's a lot of conversations around that now. I think genuinely people do and organizations do want to become more uh, socially conscious and more environmentally progressive. I think the biggest gap is the knowledge of how to get there uh, and a cohesive strategy. Um, I think we've even seen some of the largest global manufacturers saying, we want to do this. This is something that we know is important, um, but there's a gap in our knowledge of how to do this. There's a there's a, 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 a space that they're trying to fill. So I think, I think organizations are catching up. Um, I think even if it starts just as a product set or a marketing initiative, I think it'll start to um, seep into an organization's operations and, and things of that nature. So any effort to me is a good effort uh, as long as it's kind of uh, taking an organization forward. So we're definitely proud of the work that we've done, but there's still still a lot to do. Good. Well, while we've mentioned in this conversation both inclusionary and exclusionary investing, we've talked a little bit about the regulatory environment. Um, there's also a very important component of this whole process, which Amalgamated has been engaged in over its life cycle as well, and that's shareholder activism. So can you give us an example of Amalgamated's focus on shareholder activism? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's interesting about this work, and this again goes back to the core of who Amalgamated is being founded by a, a union, we realize that um, this collaborative voice is much much more powerful than any single individual. So I think it's a mechanism for change that's been very core to Amalgamated um, and, and the work that they've done. Um, we've partnered with a lot of large organizations. Um, some I won't name, some I will I, I can name. Um, I'll, I'll give some reference to our website where all of this is posted and, and public. Um, a lot of our shareholder activism work um, has been very intentional. Um, we do have specific vehicles and specific um, initiatives that are designed specifically to help move the needle on some really important issues. 
Um, I would say climate uh, transition and uh, workers' rights are on the top of the list for us. Um, we've had a lot of great successes. Um, we continue to have a lot of initiatives behind behind the curtain, currently that that are we're working on that we think are important. Um, but bringing awareness to um, large organizations that have yet to make commitments uh, to net zero is something that's really important to us, and that we've been able to um, pull the lever of of putting a little pressure to get them to, to commit. So that's something that's important to us. Um, in addition to workers' rights and um, creating uh, humane environments is, is something that's important to us and some of the tools that we've used to, to facilitate those things. Um, but I can give some specific reference and links that we'll be able to share uh, in the description that, that people can go ahead and, and read a, a bit about our work. Um, it's really impactful and, and something that the bank is really proud of. Great. Well, we'll look forward to posting that with, along with the program uh, yeah. in, Bright, in the Bright Talk channel and, and all of our uh, social media feeds. Now, let's close out our conversation today uh, by uh, revisiting your company, Amalgamated's leadership role. Uh, in 2019, Amalgamated was named the North American Leader of Corporate Social Responsibility. Congratulations on that past award, and tell us what's ahead in the ESG business model for 2022 that will help your firm maintain that leadership position. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take the congratulations, although there no credit is due to me, but I'll accept on behalf of the organization. Uh, personally, I, I cannot take credit for that, but I'll, I'll do it for the sake of this conversation. Um, yeah, it's something that is very core to the organization, and, and it's not lip service. It's something that's very uh, holistic and organic to this group uh, that I will say is very refreshing and very unique. Um, having been in both the private and public sector for some time, uh, when it's authentic, it's very unique and very refreshing. Um, I will say that uh, governance uh, and co the corporate governance structure within Amalgamated has been very, very important, uh, obviously given our roots. Um, we also have a really exciting announcement this year. We hired a new CEO that came on board, um, Priscilla Sims Brown, who is the first uh, female African American president of a publicly traded bank, which is an incredible thing that we're very, very proud of. Again, another first uh, for Amalgamated that makes us extremely proud. Um, what I think is so core to that and why that's so important is that women in positions of leadership uh, tends to have a trickle-down effect in a very positive capacity to the overall governance structure of any organization. Um, as we know, organizations that are diverse, especially on the governance side, um, tend to make better decisions because we're looking at a lot of different points of view that wouldn't exist otherwise. Um, so human capital management is definitely going to be something very important. That's a focus of ours this year, becoming a more diversified organization, um, making sure that we're ranking as high as possible uh, in issues of social justice, um, uh, equal pay, things of that nature. Um, climate continues to be on the forefront of our agenda. Um, we've made some really great announcements this year around our commitments to net zero, um, which is a positive, exciting note. Um, also, as a bank, we have a lot of um, organizations that we partner with, like UNPRI, to help 
make sure that we're progressing the financial services industry in a direction that we think is uh, sustainable over time. Um, so the work is collaborative. It's We're trying to set a great example, but we know that that doesn't happen with just a single organization or a single person. Um, I think that collective action is something that we find to be really important, especially around these topics and focusing on ESG specifically. That's great, Cynthia. I, I, you know, I, I know that a lot of organizations have been working at this process of diversity and inclusion from the, the bottom up, uh, but it's also very important, obviously, to have it come from the top down. So the appointment of a, of a, a woman of color as the CEO of the bank is uh, probably going to create a lot of new internal initiatives. Now, where can our Sustainable Finance Podcast listeners learn more about ESG investment opportunities at Amalgamated, and how can they contact you about the topics that we've discussed on today's program? Yeah, thank you. And, and uh, the best source of information would be on the website of Amalgamated, just amalgamatedbank.com. Um, we do have information on there about all of our initiatives that we spoke about today um, on shareholder activism, through our investment management products, um, even banking. I think the other thing to note is it's very important where your money sleeps at night because it's active. It's not just doing nothing. So it's important to, to get a little bit more into that um, as a banking partner. Um, additionally, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and my information and contact info is also on LinkedIn, as well as the Malcolmated uh, Bank. And people can reach out to me uh, directly to talk about this or anything in the realm of uh, ESG or business and sustainability. I'm, I'm happy to connect and always want to network with like-minded people. That's terrific. So we'll put people in touch with you. And um, if you will, send us a couple of links to add as attachments to this program in the Bright Talk channel. So thanks again, Cynthia Dalagelis, Senior Vice President and Director of ESG Investment at Amalgamated Bank. And to our listeners, please join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for the Sustainable Finance Podcast. 